Good evening. Is that, is that on? Sound good? Okay. Is that loud enough? Okay. That's going to come later. Um, like Chris said, about a month ago, a couple months ago, I, um, I asked him, I think we were having lunch or something like that, I asked him, I said, would you mind if I, originally it started out, I said this, I, can you give me about five minutes and I'd just like to sort of plug um, Touch Rustin, um, maybe to tell the congregation briefly how uh, the Lord's been working in Touch Rustin, maybe plug an event that's coming up, like our Easter event. Um, and, you know, initially it was just going to be a, uh, a five-minute you know, five deal. And then um, what, I, what turned into just five minutes, he said, well, if you'd like to take the whole, um, the whole time, you can do that. And so I was like, I thought about it a little bit, and I was like, eh, okay, yeah, let's do that. And now, as I stand here in front of you, I wish that I had gone with the five minutes. <laughs> I'm a little nervous, so just, just bear with me. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about Touch Rustin, um, just briefly. Um, it's an awesome opportunity for me to stand in front of the whole church and, uh, and do a little plugging of the ministry. Um, we have an event coming up in Easter, which... Um, is going to be the Saturday before Easter at Woodland Park. It's April 7th. Um, we're going to have our Easter egg hunt like we had last year. We're going to hide over 2,000 Easter eggs. It's going to be awesome. Um, and we're, going to, we're hoping to feed between three and 400 people. Um, we fed about 350 last year. It was awesome. We get uh, a good turnout for that. Um, we give the story of the resurrection, um, which is awesome, to, to um, that many people. Um, but as I begin to, um, well, another thing is we've been prayer walking in these neighborhoods for the past year. So what I think this Easter event is going to be is sort of like a culmination of a lot of preparation through prayer. Okay. So that's another reason that we're really excited about that. We've been handing out soup, prayer walking in these communities. And I think this is going to be kind of the culmination of uh, all our efforts in this Easter event. So I'm excited. Um, as I begin to think about what um, I would speak about tonight, I really wanted the message to sort of tie back in what, um, what Touch Rustin is all about. So um, I hope it does that. As I, as I think back about the beginning of the ministry, um, what, what really was a moving of the Holy Spirit um, in three guys, and it's myself, Zach Yates, and Eric Wilkerson, and we... It was kind of funny, just sort of at the same time, you know, independently of one another, but yet we came to get, God brought us together with, a, with sort of the uh, like-mindedness, um, and, and uh, that was kind of the formation of, of Touch Rustin. Um, and that first meeting we have, it was pretty awesome. We, we had a lot of good ideas, but I tell you what the main theme of it was, um, and it was this, we want to bring the gospel to Rustin, specifically um, these areas that are south of town um, in these low-income housing areas. We want to bring the gospel. We want to see people come to Christ, okay? We want to see neighborhoods changed, families and neighborhoods changed um, through bringing the gospel. We want to see folks baptized. Um, we want to get them plugged into this church, okay? This is the heart of Touch Rustin Ministry. Um, we want to see folks grow um, in Christ, um, and so that's, that's kind of the emphasis of, of what I want to talk about tonight. Um, 
That being said, uh, I want to talk about two of my favorite things real briefly, and that is Rustin and Jesus Christ, okay? And I know what you're thinking. You can't go wrong when you talk about Rustin and Jesus Christ. Um, some reason, I always think about Teddy whenever I think about Rustin. I don't think he's kind of like, you know, Mr. Rustin. Um, Um, I think we have a picture of one of these two uh, tonight. It's either Jesus or Rustin. I'm not, no? Okay, that's, that's Zach. I'm sorry, uh, Zach. Yeah, Chris made me do that. Yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure that's a wig. Okay. Let's go with this picture and get me out of trouble. Okay, this is Louisiana Tech football field, football stadium. Um, this is kind of one of the things that I think about when I think about Rustin. Um, you know, you think about tech, you think about rust, and you think about rust, and you think about tech. Um, not um, one of the real quick. Um, I want to take a little survey because I think it has something to do with uh, with kind of where I'm going tonight. I want to by a show of hands who was born and raised in Ruston. Born and raised. Okay. Shooter doesn't count, Josh. Shooter is its own, almost its own country, okay? <laughs> okay, uh, another show of hands. I want to figure out who in, this, who in here has lived in Ruston the longest. If you've lived here for 40 years, raise your hand. Okay, give me 50 years. I'm pretty sure Dickie Thompson's going to win this. Give me 60 years. I think we have a winner. Okay, the Thompsons. That's awesome. Um, Okay, that being said, how many of us would really say, I want the best for the city of Ruston, the city that we live in? You know, we want the best for our city. I mean, it only behooves us to, to have great desires for our city. Um, tonight, I want to talk about one thing that Ruston needs more than anything. Um, and you, this may conjure up a, a lot of ideas about what we think we need in Ruston. Some of us may be saying, well, what we need is another bank. Yeah, because that's what we need. Right. <laughs> What we may be thinking is, I wish we had another restaurant, you know, because, yeah, that's what we need is another place to eat. Um, some of you here tonight may be saying, I wish we had another church, and I would go there. We don't need any more churches in Ruston. Um, all those things are really great, um, but tonight I think we can all agree that Ruston needs Jesus Christ. Um, Tonight we will look at the Bible and see how we at First Baptist can bring Rustin and Jesus together in a thing called revival. Uh, And I'm excited about it. Uh, I want to propose a question to all of us tonight. Um, And that question is, are we the members of First Baptist Church on mission for God in Rustin? Are we on mission for God in Rustin? Um, specifically, are we fulfilling what the Bible says in the Great Commission? Um, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which is one of Jesus' last conversations with his apostles. And it goes like this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven, he's speaking to the apostles, and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. 
you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. I want to go back to my question. Are we leading people to Christ in Ruston? Are we seeing people get baptized uh, and then disciple them in, in spirit-filled, maturing believers? Are we seeing this? This is the, uh, this is the Great Commission, okay? I know, I know the heart of our pastors, okay? And I know that they want this for our church. I'm, I'm speaking specifically to the, uh, the laity of this church, me, you know, and everybody else out here. You know, is that what we want for Ruston? Is that what we want for our church? Does it light our fire when we think about what Jesus could do through revival in Ruston? Um, if we're not doing this, if we're not fulfilling the Great Commission, then it's very likely that we need revival in our hearts, okay? Um, if you look at the word revival, it has re- the word revive in it, okay? And I, I think that's, a, that's pretty cool. Revive can be defined as this, um, to bring back to life or consciousness, to resuscitate, okay? Um, Second Chronicles 7.14, a lot of times we hear this, um, especially in election years, you know, when we're concerned for the future of our country. Um, but Second Chronicles is also ties in very well to what uh, revival is and um, what I think the Bible lays out is how revival can come. If my people, which are called by my name, by the way, that's us, okay, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Okay, there's a lot, there's a lot of information in here. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of verbs, okay, that are kind of telling us what we need to do. Um, the first part is humble, okay. Uh, the next part is pray. Um, the next part is wicked ways. And we may be saying, wicked ways, I don't understand that. I thought I was a Christian. Uh, the Bible says there is none righteous, not one. Okay, we are, we're all sinners if we're Christians that just means we're forgiven okay um, and if we we look at this even further and I think the key part is that we pray he will forgive us of our sins okay this verse tells us that true revival okay for us the believer um, the renewing of the Christian's life can only come through the prayers of um, Humility and repentance on behalf of the Christian. I think this is very important. Um, you know what? If you think about it, this makes perfect sense uh, because the Holy Spirit is the one that brings about change or renew- renewal in the life of the believer. Okay? The main thing, y'all listen to this, the main thing that kind of ties the hands of the Holy Spirit in our lives is unrepented sin. Okay? And this is going to be the key to what we talk about tonight. Um, and I'd like to think of it like this. I don't think, I don't think it's that we don't think um, that we're sinners. I think we've been in church long enough we understand this, okay? We understand that we're sinners. I think the problem is, okay, and I'm going to speak for myself, but I think I'm speaking for all of us, is we just really don't care about our sin 
like we should, and we certainly don't see our sin the way God sees it, okay? And this is key to repentance, revival, um, spiritual growth, anything like that that we're serious about. Um, I'll I'll tell you a little story, and this is, um, I think this is evident. Let me say this, and then I'll get to my story because it's about my son. I want him to hear this. Is he he still here? He left? Okay. All right. That's probably good. Um, Here's the problem. Here's the problem with our sin. We worry and we fret over the consequences, and that's what we don't like about our sin is that there are consequences for us as believers. There's consequences for our sins. We get more fired up about that than we do um, sinning against a holy and righteous God. That's the problem, okay? We're, our, our, uh, our eyes are misplaced on what the actual problem with sin is in our life, okay? Focused on the consequences. Um, I see this a lot as a father, okay? My, my son Cole, he'll do something he wasn't supposed to. You know, he'll, he'll disobey, okay? And then when I invoke the uh, spare the rod, spoil the child policy that we have in our house, okay, then he's upset. Is he upset because he misbehaved? No, he's upset because he's fixing to get whipped, okay? And we are the same way. You know, we're the same way. Um, we're the same way to our Heavenly Father. Um, that being said, uh, the key to revival in the Christian's life, and I know I keep saying this, is repenting of sin, but it's so paramount, paramount in, um, in our lives. Uh, the word repent in the Greek, it's kind of cool. I always wanted to get up here and say such and such in the Greek actually means. Um, but I did a little homework. Uh, the word repent in, the, in Greek means metaneo, which means to change one's mind. Okay, and a lot of times we're sort of confused on what exactly repent means, but true biblical repentance means the changing of our mind about our sin. Um, the first part of the word, this is pretty cool, meta, we use in the English word metamorphosis. So that kind of co- conjures up the imagery of the change that's supposed to happen in our, in our life. Um, when we truly repent of sin, God changes our view of sin, okay? Um, if you're like me and you're a little stubborn, okay, God, it may take longer. This repenting thing, it may be a process, good chance it will be a process because we're all selfish and prideful and stubborn and, you know, uh, here's, here's the key. And this speaks to the gospel. Um, God hates sin so much, but at the same time loves us so much that he sent his son to be murdered on the cross to atone for these sins. Okay. That's the gospel, man. Um, getting serious about Jesus, getting serious about spiritual growth, getting serious about the Bible just impacting your life, getting serious about um, loving people and loving God starts with getting serious about our sin, okay? Um, The Bible used uh, the word repent or a form of the word repent 100 and 11 times, okay? I'm thinking it might be, ser- you know, I, it might be important. I'm not sure, but this could be the case. Um, 
we as Christians would agree that for a person to become a child of God, he or she must repent uh, and accept Jesus Christ as Lord. Um, if someone does not repent, I mean, this is the basis of salvation, okay? This is how important it is. I mean, Paul, Jesus, uh, John the Baptist all said, repent, okay? And this is the basis of salvation. Um, however, that first accepting and repenting should set the pattern for the rest of our Christian life, okay? And um, it should be an attitude of repentance, um, Repenting is a process. Y'all listen to this because this is cool. I kind of made this up myself. Repenting is a process and not an isolated event, okay, that happens at the beginning. Okay, that's, that's important. Um, a good start for repentance, y'all, and I, I'll admit I struggled with this and I still struggle with it a little bit. A good start for repentance is not a, uh, a view of this, that it's frustrating and it's never-ending struggle to make God happy. And I think we tend to, um, early in our Christian walk, we tend to have this view of, of repentance. Um, rather, it should be uh, the process in which God sanctifies us, man, because he loves us, uh, where God transforms us into the image and likeness of Christ. Um, that's what it's about. Uh, the best advice I've heard, and I'm going to go ahead and, Chris probably told me this, I'm going to go ahead and give him credit for it anyway. The best advice I've heard on confessing and repenting of sin is to keep um, short accounts of our sin. In other words, we can't go days or even hours without sort of taking an internal look of, you know, how we're doing. Did we screw up? Okay. Here's two things that happen when we don't do that. Let's say... Let's say I go through a day without, first of all, we shouldn't go through a day without praying, okay? So that should sort of nip the, you know, the unrepented sin in the bud. But let's just say we do that, okay? Uh, here's what happens. Two things. We forget, you know. Sometimes I have a terrible memory. That's why I think I'm, God bless me by being married. Um, I have a terrible memory. We have a terrible memory, especially when it comes to things that we don't even want to remember anyway, okay? Like our sin, where we failed God, Okay? Um, here's what happens. Our sin just kind of piles up and piles up and piles up. And the first thing it does is impacts our walk. It impacts our witness, okay? We're reading the Bible and it doesn't make sense. We're sitting in bed and we're reading the Bible and we're falling asleep, you know, okay? We're praying and it's just like, you know, the words are making it maybe to the lights, but it's not much further than that. That's what sin, uh, you know, unconfessed, unrepentant sin um, does in our life. The second thing... Um, we may remember as time, you say you let a couple hours go by, you screwed up and you say, okay, well, I'm going to get to that later. Here's what happens. We, we lose uh, or the severity of, of our sin diminishes, right? Okay, we think it's not that big a deal. That affects the process of repenting, okay? When it's fresh on our mind, we need to confess it, okay? Um, it is the picture of this. It's the picture of give and take. The Holy Spirit convicts. This is important for us to understand. The Holy Spirit convicts, and this is like um, a flashlight, you know, in a dark room being shined over into a far corner, and there's your little sin kind of hovered up in the corner, and, you know, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He, he, he shines the flashlight on our heart. Um, he also gives us a desire to repent 
by changing our mindset about sin. Um, and that's the point in which we freely repent um, and we ask God to forgive us. Then he blesses us and changes us through the process of sanctification. Um, this is the process in which we become more like Jesus. Okay? This is important. Um, all of us as believers, um, God is trying to sanctify us every day. Um, and he will as long as we are repenting of sin. Um, the key to reviving the heart, this is the key to the reviving the heart of the believer. Um, let me share with you practically um, in my life what this looks like. Um, I'm going to share some stuff that probably some of y'all may know, but I bet most of y'all don't. Um, a little testimony. Uh, I, uh, I used to have a wholesale tree nursery. Uh, those of you who don't know me, I work at Twin Oaks Nursery. I'm the landscape designer, so this was kind of a cool deal in that I could sell trees to the company that I work for. Seemed like a real good idea to me. Um, I had this thing for probably about five years um, up until about two and a half years ago. And I'll tell you um, kind of where it went bad. Um, I began to let this nursery um, kind of define who I am, all right? Um, and we've got to be careful of that. Uh, when the nursery was going good, I was good. When the nursery was going bad, it was like, man, I, you know, and you know what? That's the Holy Spirit's job. That's God's job to define us, who we are, if we are in him, right? And when we take something like, you know, something materialistic, you know, especially something that generates money, right? Okay, and that defines us. The Bible calls that idolatry, okay? And we need to repent of it. And I didn't get that, all right? Um, so what I did is I had this nursery, and I would go out after work, okay, and spend two or three hours and, like, work, work till dark at this nursery. That's what it required, okay? And then on Saturdays, man, I'd be there from daylight till dark just working because that's what it required. I had, like, seven or 800 trees out there that I was growing, kind of in various stages, okay? And the Lord began to convict me, man, you're not spending time at home. You need to be at home. You've got uh, a wife. Um, at that point, we only had one child. Um, and he said, man, you need to be at home instead of, you know, out here, uh, you know, fulfilling your own desires. Um, and eventually I listened, but it took me to the point where this thing was huge and I couldn't step away from it. You know, I didn't feel like there was any way that I could get out from underneath this until the Lord brought me to my knees one night and said, you get rid of this or I will take my hand off of you. Um, and when the Lord says something like that, you better listen. Um, I listened that night, okay? And I tell you, we do this too. I tried to barter with God. Okay, so I'm on, the, I'm on my knees beside my bed, and the Holy Spirit is telling me, you need to get rid of this thing. Okay, and I'm like, let me, let me work a deal with you here. How about I sell everything, okay, and then I'll get out of business. I'll just liquidate, you know, and I'll take the money, and I'll pay off the little bit of debt that I had, and everything will be good, right? That's what we'll do. And then the Holy Spirit said, you're not listening. I want you to take all that 
that whole inventory, those seven, 800 trees, all that irrigation, and I want you to push it in a ditch, and I want you to set it on fire. And I said, what? And he said it again. And I said, what? That doesn't make any sense. Why would somebody, you know, this is like, y'all, this is like seventy or $80,000 worth of stuff. And um, long story short, and I tried to, kind of, you know, I tried to rationalize with God again, and I said, this is what I'll do. I'll take all this stuff, and I'll sell it, and I'll give the money to charity. Wouldn't that be cool? You know? We'll get your name glorified, God. We'll give it to charity. And you know what? You know who that'd glorify? That'd glorify me. And God knew that. Okay? And he said, you're not listening again. Take it in a ditch, you know, push it in a ditch and set it on fire. And so that's what I did. Okay? And I'll tell you all the truth. I would do that every day of the week from here on out, okay, simply because of how good God is and how he honors us when we, uh, first thing we do is we realize we have sin in our life. The second thing we do is repent of it, push it in a ditch, and set it on fire, okay? Um, I have one more story to share with you, and I think it ties in well because God would have never allowed me to be a part of this had I not been obedient and repented. Um, I have a friend um, who, um, in the kind of the transition, I think this is the right storyline, between high school and college, um, was kind of running with the wrong folks. He was, he was kind of getting in trouble. Um, he was drinking, he was partying. Um, one night he was coming home uh, from a party where he had been drinking, him and a friend, in a, in a truck. Okay, and they ran off the road and nobody else was involved, just a single car accident. And um, they ran into a tree, I mean, going fast. Um, everybody that looked at the truck said, these two guys should have died, okay? God saved them and spared their life. Okay, um, I heard this story, um, I knew this guy, but I said, man, this guy needs to get with Jesus, he needs to get right. I invited him to the first heaven gates and hell's flames that we had, okay, back like two years ago. He came, um, set through the production, gave his life to Christ, came down front, I counseled him in the back room, okay, um, fast forward um, a, uh, a little bit later, this guy has got a 4.0 at Tech. He made, uh, last quarter, he made a 3.75. Okay, God has changed his life. Okay, I, um, I had an opportunity to have him in a small group with a couple of other guys. Um, we were going through this book about stepping up as men and being good godly men, and he... Um, he came to me after one of the meetings. He said, Jeremy, I want to learn more about the Bible. I want to learn how to pray. Okay? I'm like, you know, nobody's ever come to me and said that. I'm like, this is a sign from God. You know, God bless. Finally, somebody, you know, that, that I can, you know, disciple and, and lead through the Bible and, and teach him how to grow. Okay? We're in the process right now. We meet Friday mornings here at the church, and we're going through a call to joy. Okay, I love this guy, and he's doing so good, and God is blessing him, and God is blessing me by giving me a chance to, uh, to disciple him. And it was all because um, 
I was faithful in, in being obedient to God and repenting of sin, just blatant sin that was in my life, okay? Um, I want that for everybody in here. I want y'all to understand that. If we're going to change Ruston, that for, for Christ, that's what we have to do, okay? Um, I hope I'm not running long. I don't even know. Yeah, I'm running long. Okay, let me hurry. Um, I want to just real quick, um, let me tell you what the dream, I think, of every pastor is and what should be the dream of every member in this church. Um, That people would get saved, baptized, join our church, grow spiritually, and those same people would start the process all over again, going out of the community, going into their works, um, inviting people to church, man. We've got a marriage conference coming up. I've got like six couples that I've invited, you know, that's important. They may not come to Sunday morning, but they'll come to something that may change their marriage. Um, What I want to say is now, does what I just said apply to you tonight? Is there anybody in here that can say, that can look around in this room and they can see somebody that they brought to Christ? Okay, that's here in this service tonight worshiping because you told them about the gospel. Is there anybody in Sunday morning that you can look at and say, man, I remember when I led that person to Christ and now they're here growing, okay? And maybe it's come full circle where they've invited somebody to church and they've led somebody to Christ. Um, This is what we need. This is the picture of the Great Commission. Um, If we can't say this, if there's no proof that we're on mission for God, then it might be that we're not letting God change our minds through repentance. Okay? Um, I'd like to conclude tonight with two pictures. One is pretty cool. I think it's the biggest cross I've ever seen, or at least one of the biggest crosses I've ever seen. It's kind of hard to tell the scale of this, but this thing is like, you know, these are 40-foot trees at the bottom of this thing. Um, I think it's like 150 feet tall, maybe. Um, it's huge. Um, I was going to Goldana. I don't know if any of y'all know where Goldana is. Uh, it's out in the middle of nowhere. This church is out in the middle of nowhere. I was on Highway 505, um, and I drove past it. And uh, I had my meeting. I came back, and like, I'm going to take a picture of that sucker, and I'm going to put it in my sermon on Sunday. And I don't know what I'm going to say about it, but I can't not use it, you know. And uh, what, what's really cool is the sign that they had out in front of their church. And it says this, if you think the cross, uh, if this, if you think the cross is big, you, uh, you should come and see our God. Um, that's pretty powerful. Um, I, I don't know if, you know, catchy church phrases on church signs is your deal. It may not be. Um, I certainly wouldn't want to be involved in a business meeting at this church where we voted on whether or not to have a 150-foot cross out in the front of, uh, of our church. You know, I wouldn't want to be a part of that. Um, but what I, what I will say is this. We serve a big God, y'all, that humbled himself and came down to this earth and was tortured, betrayed, and lied about, and he died on the cross for us. 
Amen. That's the story of the gospel, and that's the story of everybody in here that is a Christian. Um, This is what I want to do. I want to repent. I want our church to repent, and I want us to show God that we mean business and that we're ready to be revived, and we're ready to let him um, use First Baptist Church to, uh, to change Ruston. Man, for the glory of God, let's change Ruston. Um, I'd like to close now. Let's bow our heads. I hope that God has spoken to you here tonight. And I think we all need to hear a message like this. I know I do. I think we all need to be revived by God in some way. I think for some of us here tonight, um, it may be a recommitment of our life. Um, You may need to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm no longer letting my unrepented sin drive a wedge between me and my Savior. If that's you, then in a minute, during the invitation, you may need to come down front and get on your knees and do some business with God. You may be here tonight and you've never truly repented because you've not taken that first step of obedience in Christ. That first step is believing in the work of the cross. My hope for you tonight is that you would believe in Jesus, believe in the work of the cross, believe that God loves you. If that's you tonight, and you've never believed and received Christ as your personal Savior, then I ask you to pray this prayer. Jesus, I believe that you died and were raised from the grave so that my sins could be forgiven. Jesus, I realize I have sin in my life I want to repent of those sins. Forgive me and come in my heart. Change my life. I want to obey you. Amen. As we sing, man, I just want to invite anybody that was involved in those two parts that I just talked about. If you need to rededicate your life, if you need to get right with God, my hope is that you would come down here and not be embarrassed, but be bold and do business with God. If this is the first time that you've heard something like this and you need to pray to receive Christ, we're going to have ministers up here at the front. Um, Come and talk to them. Uh, We are not guaranteed uh, tomorrow what a shame it would be to walk out of here with that attitude. Thank you all so much.